What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey, you guys, what is up, my sister girlfriends? How are you doing today? How are you feeling in your body? It is Thursday, and you know, <laughs> I, I always find that as the weeks progress, right, as we are right now, it's you know, we're at the beginning of October, so mid October, not the beginning, I guess, we're well into the middle of it. And this is the time of year where, you know, I think we're aware that things are about to get really busy soon. So it's a really good time for us to take a deep breath, to slow down, to turn in and think about how we want to feel heading into the holiday season. You know, so often, and I used to be like this too, there's a lot of stress that came with the holiday season because we already aren't feeling our best. And then on top of that, we have more things to do and there's more food around. It's really just not even possible to say no anymore. Or actually, personally for me, I really loved just kind of letting it all go over the holidays. You know, and I don't know that either is a great option. I think ultimately we want to just be focused on feeling really good in our bodies. And today I'm really excited to talk to you guys about, um, you know, some simple ways to think about your nutrition to help you feel better. You know, I'd love to say that it's the only way to balance our hormones, but it certainly is the quickest way to feel an impact. And then we can get to the bigger pieces, which I know we talk about here on this podcast, but if I can get you some relief specifically with talking about, you know, the way in, you know, the world is kind of constantly telling us all these different ways of eating and give you some simple things that you can do without adding more to your plate, I want to offer that to you. I want you to be able to have those simple wins, right? Because I know like you... When you're in the throes of these, you know, what I call a hormonal crisis, which is pretty much when I say hormonal crisis, what I mean is you are unable to be sleeping well through the night. You know, you're waking up more than one time and having trouble falling back to sleep. You know, you're tired in the day. Your energy is dipping throughout the day. You know, you're not losing weight if you're trying. You have crazy cravings. These are all signs of hormonal crisis um, because it means that not only are you just in this time in your life where there's a bit of dysregulation, which is normal, but when it starts to impede your life more than 20%, right, that beautiful 80-20 rule, it means that 80% of our activities are, you know, we're not doing 
doing the right things. We need to make some changes to bring ourselves back into balance a little bit more, right? And it is lifestyle stuff. It's it's how we choose to rest, how we choose to move, how we choose to fuel, you know, how we choose to live and have joy, you know, how we look at our values in our life, right? So often we're like, yeah, I value health, but then none of our actions are aligning with that. Or yeah, I value family, but then we're on social media all the time. Or we're, you know, saying like, I'm too busy. I need to work. I have to work. You know, how often is your value actually wealth? If your value isn't wealth and success, then we shouldn't be working all day long, right? We should, if we value purpose and you love what you do, then you have that opportunity. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. (laughs) What I want to really start this with today as I kind of dive into some of these things, and of course, I'm going to give you some real, like real step-by-steps of what I do in a day, you know, for my own fueling, recognizing that everyone is a little different, but when we're trying in a hormonal crisis to help ourselves feel better, having clear direction to trust in, to believe in, I find is so powerful, right? There's nothing worse than, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to try this thing. And then you get about a weekend and you're like, oh, this is getting hard. Like, or maybe it doesn't feel like it's working and you don't have guidance or you don't have anyone there telling you, no, 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 stick to the path. It's going to work. Stick to the path. In school, we have that, right? If you're on a sports team, you have that. Anytime things get hard, someone's there to bring you back. That's what a coach does for you. And that's why it can be so valuable to invest in a coach to do something with um, because they are really there to keep us from straying, right? Keep us from getting pulled off track by the media. But one of the most powerful questions that I think we need to ask ourselves differently at this stage in our life, I think we've spent a lot of our lives being like, okay, if I do this, is this going to help me lose weight, right? You know, eating this is going to help me lose weight. Eating this isn't going to help me lose weight, right? We seem to be really clear, you know, and ask ourselves this question all the time. When ultimately at this stage in our life, the question we should be asking ourselves is, is this creating stress and inflammation or reducing stress and inflammation? And why that's different is this. Obviously, we know that a hard workout burns calories. So one might think, I'm going to do a hard workout. It's going to burn calories. It's going to help me lose weight. I'm going to eat, you know, in, in, in a way of intermittent fasting or keto or paleo, and it's a calorie restriction. So it's going to help me lose weight. But That's a problem when you reach our years of having hormonal dysfunction, right? Once you hit 35, you begin to have hormonal dysfunction. The amount of it is going to depend on your genetics and on your lifestyle to date, but we're all in it, right? So when we decide in hormone, when we're in hormone dysfunction and we add stress, stress and cortisol specifically is the biggest creator of of more hormone discrepancy, right? So it's just irritating the problem further. It's like having a scab and deciding to pick at it, right? You're just making it bleed more. You're making it worse. Ooh, that's a bit of a gross image in my head. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if I grossed you out. 
So this is the question we need to ask ourselves. And then we need to educate ourselves a little bit on like, okay, well, what are the things that are, you know, creating more inflammation and stress in the body? Uh, And that's where, you know, we start to realize that some of the foods that might normally have been fine and great for us are causing inflammation and causing more stress because we're in the hormone dysfunction. Is this making any sense? When we're in hormone dysfunction, the you know, and there's a lot, I know there's layers upon layers of this, but like we don't need to know all the layers, right? We don't need to all get this education in hormones that I, I have. You have other expertises. You need someone to lay it out for you in simple layman's terms. For 98% of us in these hormonal dysfunction years in perimenopause, this is what our dysfunction looks like, or this is the crux of our issue, right? We're not getting the same steady stream of estrogen, and at the same time, we um, our progesterone is, is getting weaker and weaker as well, right? That's a critical part of our ovulation. We're not needing to ovulate anymore and all this, right? So both of these hormones are just not coming as smoothly as they once were, but they are symbiotic. Think of them like a teeter-totter, right? We want them balanced, but when there's too much of one, there's not enough of another. And the problem with that, the, other, the added problem to that is that one, anytime we have added cortisol in our life, added stress hormones, which happens with inflammation in the body, which happens with blue light coming at us all the time, which happens with social media telling us who to be and how to be and what to be and when to be, which happens because we're raising young kids or teenagers and we have aging parents, which happens because we're in the, you know, in the growing years of our career. There's so many reasons it's happening right now. And the moment our cortisol rises, right, it happens all when there's inflammation in the body, that cortisol fights for the same receptors as progesterone and it's stronger. So it wins. So now the, any type of stress, any type of elevation in cortisol is impacting that teeter totter balance even further, putting stress on our liver, putting stress on our organs, having our organs grind away in the background while they're trying to do their job, which is why we're exhausted and depleted. And then the liver can't do what it's supposed to be doing, which is metabolizing the excess hormones because it's got to deal with the cortisol. So it's storing them in our belly fat, right? So that's why we're kind of growing around the midsections here. So the question is not what can you do to take in fewer calories and burn more calories. The question is what are your habits every single day that are reducing the inflammation and stress in your body? How are you managing the stress we cannot change? And how are we reducing the stress that is coming at us in our actual choices that we can control? So that being said, here's why I don't do things like intermittent fasting or keto. Intermittent fasting is is a way of eating, if you don't know where, you know, you go a longer period of time where you're fasted, where you're not actually consuming any calories. And it's been shown to reduce inflammation because it's giving the body a bit of a time of rest. All great. I want you to recognize that when, when, when we eat our dinner at even 7 p.m. at night, so we're done eating at like 8 p.m., and then we eat breakfast again in the morning at 7 a.m., that's a 12-hour fast. That is a fast. We're already giving our body the break that it needs. And there's actually not a lot of proof that women in these perimenopause hormonal dysfunction years are getting any benefit from it because 
A faster way to stress out the body is having irregular blood sugar levels, right? Which means if we start going, you know, more than 12 hours, like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 hours without eating, and then we eat a whole pile of food, our body needs that energy in order to help this dysfunction, right? If you think about it, when we're in dysfunction, it's almost like you're fighting off something else, right? Your body is fighting the instability it's fighting the 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 misalignment of what's happening inside the same way that we might fight a virus or bacteria it's working towards homeostasis at all times so it's now grinding away harder and now it doesn't have any bloody energy to do so so something like intermittent fasting that's taking us you know that's going more than 12 hours let's say without eating is further stressing out your body and exacerbating the problem instead of helping you so uh, one of my favorite ways to eating and one of my real clear ways, you know, ways of eating is that I always make sure to eat within two hours of waking up in the morning because we need nutrients, right? We need nutrients after the night. Um, and then I usually eat three or four meals a day, depending on the length of my day and the activity levels of my day and my hunger cues. Real quick, sister, are you ready to have the best health of your life in midlife? I'm not exactly sure why you were here, but I bet you I can take a pretty great guess. Maybe you're starting to hear more and more about this perimenopause thing. I mean, can we be honest about the fact that we heard about menopause, but nobody told us about perimenopause? And now that you are reaching those magical ages, you're wondering if that is why you are feeling a bit off. Or maybe you know you are in it and you're sick of feeling stuck, tired, don't want to buy new pants, and frustrated that you're actually doing the things to feel better, but the things aren't working. Or maybe you're feeling okay and want to make the most of this time and get ahead of your shifting hormones. Whatever the reason, I'm so glad that you are here because life is too short to feel anything less than amazing. Perimenopause and menopause is a time for freedom, not to be weighed down by your hormones or how you feel in your body. You were meant for more, sister. So whether you're having symptoms or wanting to prevent symptoms, you are in the right place, and I am here to be your guide to having the best health of your life in midlife and beyond. I want to invite you into the Perimenopause Posse. It's the perfect starter course and membership for the clear guidance you need to understand the hormonal shifts of perimenopause, start healing your hormones, and shift into fat burning month after month. In the Posse, you get my step-by-step course to support your hormones and get them working for you so you can achieve the weight release, muscle growth, or just the energy gain that you want for your life. You also get a great community of sisters to support you and a monthly live training and Q&A with me so I can answer your specific questions, as well as monthly nutrition plans and workouts designed to go with the flow of your hormones. And of course, a few other great bonuses. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes below to join the posse. Start your step-by-step program and meet me inside of the community. It's everything you need to master your hormones and shift into fat burning month after month. So click link below in the show notes and meet me in there. All right, back to this episode. Keto is another one of these where it's a low carb situation and, you know, It's like a high in protein, low fat, no carb kind of diet. And although there are, there is great research in the benefits of, again, of like fasting and, you know, and, and having a lower carb piece, like while we certainly want to avoid 
like carbs specifically like sugar and wheat, we can choose to eat you know, that good 20% of carbohydrates in our day or even 30% if that's you because it's a requirement for us in order to, again, assist our body with the movement of the cells in the body, with the movement and the flushing out of these excess hormones and just the overall energy. Carbohydrates create energy in the body. So these carbs are really important to our hormone imbalance, especially if we struggle, again, with that blood sugar stability, and most women do, or adrenal fatigue, which is what we're going through. So any type of nutrition that pulls carbohydrates right out can be very taxing on the body if you are in hormonal crisis. So one of my favorite ways to actually eat is again, looking at food, looking at life in a way that is a little bit more focused on, hey, instead of being consumed by whether this has calories or not, or how many calories or how much fat, it just you know, it gets a bit overwhelming to me. I, I, I ran into a girl the other day who's like, I can tell you how many calories are in pretty much anything that I eat. And I was like, oh my gosh, that must be exhausting. That's an exhausting amount of, you know, and not, not to belittle it, but like of kind of insignificant information that you're keeping rattling around in your brain when I'm sure there's way more important things you'd like to know. We need to first learn to tap in and ask our body, hey body, are you hungry? You know, what do you need? (laughs) So for me, my favorite way of eating and here, and I will actually walk you through a typical way of eating for me. Now I should tell you, I am a vegetarian, but I'm purely a vegetarian because of ethical reasons, not for diet or nutrition reasons. I do it because, um, and I guess a little bit for environmental, but at the end of the day, it's, it's an ethical thing for me about animals. So you're going to hear that in my food, but but I like to say I have, you know, a nutritionally blended family. You know, my kids eat, eat meat, you know, my girlfriend eats a little bit of meat, that kind of thing. So the first thing that I always look at my day, like I said, is I, I do always eat three to four meals in a day. And I'll explain that difference as I go through. But when I first wake up in the morning, we know that we are dehydrated and some people aren't hungry right away in the morning and that's okay. But we do know we're dehydrated. And this is why I really love having a greens first thing in the morning. One, it gets a good 16 to 20 ounces of water back in the body. I mean, we're 60% water. We're basically cucumbers. You know, we, we, and then we've just gone a certain amount of hours without drinking much. And, and we don't want to be up all night drinking because then we're up all night peeing, right? So this is how we want things to go. We want to wake up. We want to really rehydrate the body. And greens are a beautiful way to lay the groundwork and feed the good gut bacteria when our gut hormone connection is so significant if one is out of whack then the other one gets out of whack so making sure that we start our day with something that you know heals our gut that promotes healthy gut stuff that is a perfect way to reduce cravings later in the day and reduce that energy bonk later in the day. Um, You know, if you don't know, my favorite greens that I love is Organifi. They do offer a 15%, 15 to 20% discount for any of my listeners. Just make sure you use my name at checkout. But these are my favorite because of all the ingredients in them, but even more so because I can drink it on its own because not all greens taste very good. And you know, if if it doesn't taste good, you're not going to drink it. So I start every day with that big chunk of greens. I like to take it on my walk in the morning while I'm either walking calmly just with my dog or and looking at out at the world around me or whether I'm taking in some really good quality mental content. 
when I get home, you know, once I've either got the kids off to school, I will either have breakfast then, and here are the key elements around my breakfast. I really vote for a savory breakfast over a sweet breakfast. Again, how we set the tone um, and the first part of our day indicates how we're going to crave and feel things the rest of the day. If you start your day with something sweet, it's what your gut is going to crave all day long. Plus, it spikes your blood sugar and it means more effort on your body. And if your body is in a hormone imbalance, it's it's we're already taxed, right? That's why we get this brain fog. That's why we get exhausted and fall into bed at night and then we're wired later. That's why we can't make it through the afternoon without extra caffeine or sugar. Right. So we want to really start that day off with a savory breakfast. And for me, that's that's typically like an um, eggs with veggies and like I'll do a piece of toast with nut butter, um, like a sprouted grain, flourless toast. That's some of my favorite stuff or rice cakes, whole grain rice cakes with peanut butter and banana on it. So there's still an element of sweetness in there and that's fine. But I start with the savory food. Starting our meals with with vegetables reduces any type of blood sugar spike and you're reducing the inflammation. You're reducing the workload of your body. So that's what I'll, I'll begin with. And then I will, I will have, cause I like coffee. And although I know caffeine is not amazing for a lot of reasons, I like to have a cup of coffee a day. I will still have that. Um, and I like to have it with my breakfast. We don't want to have caffeine on an empty stomach because it poof, shoots up that cortisol in the body already. And now we're already behind the eight ball for the day. So um, if I do come home though, from my walk and I, you know, get the kids off and, and my focus is actually getting a workout in, for example, before I have a hefty meal, I will have my coffee, but with my coffee, I will make sure to put some coconut oil that I buzz into the coffee to get some added calories in there to reduce that load. And I will typically have some Brazil nuts or even just a handful of raw nuts. But I love Brazil nuts because the selenium in them really helps support the thyroid, which is impacted by that caffeine. So I'm trying to kind of balance that piece out. And of course, then I'm going to have a workout, which is helping me process through some of that caffeine. So those are some tips there. But I do prefer to have my coffee with the breakfast. Okay. That, so again, three, three to four meals, starting with your greens, never having the caffeine on an empty stomach and really having that savory breakfast first. Now for me, I, I do often get my, have my most productive aspects of my day from about, you know, 5 6 a.m. when I wake up until about 2 p.m. when it's kind of time to do the kid pickup run. And I also just know that's when my energy kind of turns more social and I'm less apt to be, you know, creative and want to be sitting in front of a computer at that time, which is what my career demands. Um, so I like to be done my computer stuff by that time of the day, but, but that usually means that my lunches are busy, right? And I don't necessarily always have time to sit down and have a big elaborate lunch. And I know a lot of you guys struggle with this as well. We're busy, busy, busy. So I actually really love having, you know, a nice loaded protein shake, micronutrient dense shake at lunchtime. Um, and I, I, but I, but I think what I always want to cautious people on is that 250 calories is not a meal, right? I'm five foot seven. You know, my calorie range, you know, depending on how active I am, is like 1,400 to 1,800 calories, more if I'm really lifting a lot of weights. Um, but again, I have to be in a good hormone state in order to do that. 
So when we're, you know, when, when if you think that I'm trying to get in like 1,500 to 1,800 calories in a day, 300 calories is not a meal, right? Divide 1,500 even on the low end by three meals and a meal is at least 500 calories, right? So if, if I have a protein shake, maybe I'll have that, but I'll make sure there's a cup of frozen fruit in there. You know, I'll make sure um, to add anything extra that I can in there to beef it up, maybe some nut butter, or some almond milk. But even still, I will typically have something else either with it, whether it's leftovers from dinner the night before, or whether it's some veggies and hummus, or I'll make sure to have something again about two hours later. So my lunch can either be nice and big and hearty or can be split in two depending on how busy my schedule is in the day and what it allows Um, but again it's highly loaded it has kind of what I like to say everyone comes to the party so it's has protein it has lots of veggies I still really like to have those vegetables first Um, and it has fats and it has carbohydrates in there on the lunch And then when it comes to dinner, I really prefer, you know, a lighter carb dinner for me. So something that's loaded with fiber, again, lots of veggies. Last night I made, you know, a really hefty um, fiber rich soup, but it had quinoa in it still. And, you know, I can have bread on the side for the kids or if I am hungry, I can have a bit of bread there. But I try not to overthink it. You know, we have to remember that Things like dairy and things like processed carbohydrates and sugars, these all add inflammation to a body, um, especially one that's in dysregulation. If we are balanced, having a little bit of dairy or a little bit of a gluten, you know, or a little bit of sugar is really not a big deal. But when we are in hormone imbalance, it really throws us out of whack. It's no different than, let's say, you know, if you... If you bump into the side of whatever, if you bump into the side of your house, yeah, I'm looking at my stucco house right now. You bump it and it's all scratchy. I bumped to the side of the house. Okay, it scrapes. It's no big deal. But if I already had a cut there on my arm and I bump into the side of my house, all of a sudden that's coming off and I'm gushing blood again all over the place, right? So just remember when we're already in injury and dysregulation, we got to let ourselves heal. We got to get ourselves back to a place of, of healing before we can, you know, kind of irritate any problem again. All right. Um, I think that sort of covers everything that I really like to focus on when it comes to my nutrition. I don't typically eat much after I have dinner, but, you know, there are some amazing teas that really help balance out, you know, hormones. There's some amazing um you know, nighttime warm drinks that have a bit of sweetness in there if, you, if you're craving it. But I really, for me, what I've started to really focus on is if I'm having a craving, I think it's really important to kind of ask yourself, is this a mental craving or is it a physical craving? You know, because really your body doesn't typically crave stuff. Not It craves, it's hungry, so it craves food. But, it, but it's our mind that is craving, you know, the dopamine hit that it gets from sugar. It's our mind that is craving, you know, the relaxation benefits of some wine. So if it's our head, it usually means there's something we're trying to avoid or numb or we don't want to sit through the discomfort. And if I can tell you anything that I have learned through my own story and journey and through many of yours who I've had the benefit of working with... What we avoid will come back to us. We want to learn to sit in the discomfort and let the discomfort of us move us 
a discomfort of it move us to action. If you're numbing because you feel really uncomfortable in your body, you're never going to change. You need to stop the numbing so you feel the discomfort in your own body enough to want to get out of it, right? Okay, you guys. That was a lot. I hope uh, I hope it helped you a little bit, gave you some guidance there. I have uh, some exciting news. I have something coming new that uh, I'm going to be launching in the next week or two. So please stay tuned. Keep your ears open on the podcast here um, because I will, of course, launch it here first for you guys. You know, for those of you who weren't able to join or missed out on the opportunity to work one-on-one with me, this is going to be, you know, um, not as intensive a container, not as much of a commitment, but certainly an option for you if you need a smaller offer, a smaller value to get you started. This will be it. So stay tuned. And remember to be more in your life and not just less on a scale, period. End of story. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.